You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. So, Jesus changed everything. Let me begin with a quote from H.G. Wells. Anybody know who H.G. Wells is? Uh, what did he write? Anybody? Anybody got a favorite H.G. Wells book? Time Machine, that's my favorite movie of the books that he, yeah, Time Machine, that's, that's one of his big ones. Let's, let's start with uh, also War of the Worlds, you know, that one too. Um, but H.G. Wells made some movies about that one also. H.G. Wells, he, and he says he's not a Christian, okay, so I'm not, I'm, I, and that's, that's one of the reasons this is so powerful to me. He says, I am an historian. I am not a believer, but I must confess as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth, who's he talking about? Jesus, it's not a trick question, y'all worried, y'all answering real quietly, right? This penniless preacher from Nazareth, talking about Jesus, is irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all history. Now, there may be a handful of people who will argue with you about that last statement, but most people today would say there, there, there's, I mean, it's, there's not even a close number two, a close second to this. Jesus Christ is the most, most dominant figure in all of history because of the change he brought to this world, the way he impacted our lives. But, uh, but uh, if we back up, he talks about it being the very, him being in the very center of history. Think about that. That's really cool about, if you think about our dates, right? Any, what, what, what year is it? Anybody? 2022. And you, you know how we count that? 2022? How do we count 2022? From Jesus, right? The AD. And I know some people are changing that. They use the BCE instead of, you know, BC and some of that stuff. <laughs> but still, they didn't change the 2022. We didn't change 1972 to some other number. It's still the same. It's like Jesus did split history. We went back, you know, some, somebody did. I didn't do it, but we went back and we started numbering dates before Jesus with that BC, and we still do that today. Okay, so, so one of the very simplest things in all of the world that we have, I mean, every time you write down a date, you, you write a check or you sign a document, you write that date down, or you say 2022, in a way, you know, you're related to something. Jesus impacted that part of our lives. Very simple. But let's take that a little deeper, but, okay, because, I mean, that's, that's just one thing. But let's talk a little bit about the Old Testament. Now, the Bible, you know, it's, it's kind of got two parts, the Old Testament and New Testament. And right in the middle of it, what makes the difference is Jesus, his life, and everything that happened, okay? So this Old Testament that, that we were given, the Old Testament, Paul says this in Romans chapter 7, brought about knowledge of our sin. You know, the law, the Old Testament law, it made us consider and think about and recognize that we had sin and therefore it brought in guilt and condemnation because when you know you've done something wrong how do you feel now you're supposed to feel guilt right <laughs> when you do something wrong you're supposed to feel guilt maybe some shame maybe some embarrassment and even condemnation comes in when we know we've done wrong but Jesus but Jesus canceled condemnation Paul said Paul said in Romans chapter 7 he said that the Old Testament law it made me think about my sin. It made me acknowledge my sin. It made me acknowledge all that. And so because of that, I had guilt and condemnation. But in the very next chapter, chapter 8, right after he wrote this, Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation 
in those, in those who are, for those who are in Jesus Christ our Lord. That Jesus canceled the condemnation. You think, think about it this way, um, how Jesus changed, changed this Old Testament law. Uh, you ever heard an eye for an eye? Y'all ever heard that before? An eye for an eye? And uh, this was the Old Testament law, pretty much. And a lot of other cultures had this same kind of feeling. An eye for an eye. Okay, next slide. There you go. An eye for an eye. The next slide. And, uh, but Jesus, he brought grace. And the thing about that, I, I know you and I, we take it for granted that grace is the right way. That didn't come out of a vacuum. That came because Jesus brought grace. An eye for an eye was the rule, but then Jesus brought grace. One last thing about this Old Testament law. Uh, the Old Testament, the way it was given is it was given as, as a way to live life, a guide. Like, like, you know, this is the way you should treat one another. You, you know, you should do this. And, you know, that offer, I mean, if you do something wrong, this is how you should pay someone back. All that kind of stuff. It was given as a guide for life, but Jesus didn't just give us help in this life. He gave us hope for eternal life, beyond this life, beyond the grave. That Jesus didn't say, hey, I can just help you right now. That's what the Old Testament law offered. But Jesus offers to help us right now and then also even, even beyond the grave. Okay, maybe, maybe that doesn't interest you today. Because I know a lot of people today are interested in social justice. Well, let's talk about social justice. Social justice looks similar to the corporate ladder way back in the day. And even with a lot of people's lives today it is. Because basically you do what helps you out. You know, you, you, uh, you, you hobnob with Come on, you hobnob with the people that are going to help you climb the corporate ladder. And Je but Jesus said, welcome the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. But what's really interesting is, is who Jesus said this and the context of how Jesus said this. Jesus was at a banquet, and a man had, had thrown this banquet, this big banquet, and he invited all these people that were the end people, you know, that kind of thing, you know, people that mattered in, in society. And Jesus sitting there, and he told the man, he said, next time, and this is what he said, invite, he said, invite the poor, invite the crippled, invite the lame, and invite the blind. You know, Jesus was, as far as I can tell, in all of history, he was the very first champion of social justice. So this, this, this idea and these arguments that we have right now, and man, I've, I've seen people want to beat the church up over social justice. I said, no, 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 this, this is where it began. It began with Jesus, the one that we serve and that we follow. The next slide uh, said, oh, have you, you've heard this one? He who has the gold makes the rules. Y'all ever heard that before? But Jesus gave us the golden rule. I mean, a lot of people still live by this, but Jesus gave us the golden rule. All right, so, and then the next slide. History gave us, leading off of that, history gave us wealthy tyrants and poor masses. Okay, now let's think about that for just a moment. Basically, Throughout history, that's what we've seen. Tyrants, people that had all the money and had all the power, and the poor masses. And there was no way you could really lift yourself out of that to get up to here. You, you couldn't do it. You know, uh, Some of our favorite movies are, are people who, who were heroes who championed and came out of that to try to lift themselves up. But you, know, they don't come, you don't become kings unless you were born into it and all that kind of thing. You don't have the power. If you don't have the money, you don't get it. Someone said, because Jesus gave us a set of ethics. Jesus gave us a set of ethics that, of the way that we should treat one another in business. And, and, and when we look at business and business ethics today, look, look, and you can trace it all back to the way Jesus taught us how to behave, how to treat others, how, how his word tells us you know, uh, how employees should treat empl their employers, give an honest day's work, how employers should treat their employees to give honest, honest day's pay. 
You know, and somebody said, somebody said this. They said that Jesus created the middle class. And I, and I thought that was interesting because what they were saying, you know, we had, you know, we had the tyrants and we had the poor masses. And now that there are people kind of in between and able to rise up and go, Jesus created that. Jesus made it possible for you that, it's, that it's, it's no longer just the tyrants that have all the power and all the money, that many of, many of us, uh, probably just about all of us sitting here today, uh, not born into royalty, so we would just be the poor huddled masses if it hadn't been for Jesus. Or the next slide. Uh, racial and gender inequality have been the norm for millennia. I, I know we, we kind of sometimes think that this all started in America, you know, racism and that kind of stuff. No, it's been, that, that's the way it's always been. But Jesus made us equal, at least in God's sight. He made us equal, whether male or female, rich, poor, Jew, Gentile. That means all races, because Gentiles are anybody but Jews. So just all races, we're all equal. That's what Jesus did. That's the way Jesus set all this up. And I think the next one, this is the last one about women. Women have often been viewed as insignificant. And I started to word that just a little bit more strongly, but I, I didn't want any of you to say, well, I don't know if I agree with that. I think all of us can agree with this. Women have often been viewed as insignificant. But Jesus treated women with dignity and respect. Much, so much so. I mean, if you read the stories about the way Jesus treated women, he didn't look down on them, he didn't talk down to them. So much so that in the early days, Christianity was often criticized as being a women's religion because of the way Jesus also treated women and because so many women followed Jesus. Well, I guess if he's going to treat them that way and make them feel like they've got a future, obviously they would want to follow him. And in the same way, if you and I understand that Jesus wants to give us a future, then wouldn't we be, uh, shouldn't we be, couldn't we be uh, encouraged to follow him because that's where he wants to lead us? Here's, here, here's another strength, and this is an, another quote from a non-believer, okay, but Genghis Khan, y'all ever heard of Genghis Khan? He, he was, let me just say, he was a bad guy, and I mean a bad, bad guy, okay? He was a really bad guy, and he said this about the greatest pleasure in life. It is to vanquish your enemies and chase them before you to rob them of their wealth and see those dear to them bathed in tears, to, ride their, to take their horses and ride their own horses and to clasp to your bosom their wives and daughters, to take their wives and their daughters to yourself. Now this is, this is a right out of the heart of a sinful man. And this, King Khan was not the only person who felt that way. I mean, we talked about that in one of these sermons in this sermon series, is about the, you know, the way we want to win. We don't want to just barely win, just think of sports athletics right we want to crush our opponents I mean, that's the heart of sinful man right there but what did Jesus teach us Jesus taught what is best in life is to love your enemies and see them reconciled to you I mean the, the whole the whole thing the whole idea of forgiveness came from Jesus that's how he has impacted the world you and I live in today if, if you see anything about mercy or grace or forgiveness that came from Jesus uh, here's a quote from, uh, from uh, Hannah Arendt. She said, The discoverer of the role of forgiveness in the realm of human affairs was Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, I, I wanted to bring that to you because I, I wanted you to know, you've been hearing me talk about how I see this and throughout history. I wanted you to see what she said, like, like H.G. Wells, what he said about history and Jesus. And what she says about history and Jesus is forgiveness came from Jesus. So, so all, of, all of this all of this happening because of Jesus. 
the forgiveness even, the, 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 the idea that I need to forgive you. No, it, it's just eye for an eye. That's the way it used to be. But the idea that I need to forgive you if you've wronged me came from Jesus. So can we see how much he has impacted the world? Okay, but it's, it's more than that, right? It's not, it's not just about how he's impacted the world. Let's talk about how he's impacted our lives or how he can. Let me give you a few examples from the New Testament, okay? And uh, the first one is Simon, one of his own disciples. Now, Simon was a hothead. He was impetuous. He was an eternal screw-up, okay? He, uh, it's like Jesus would try to do something, and Simon, Peter, Simon, he was called Simon before Jesus met him, he would mess up, but Jesus changed his name to Peter. Now, that doesn't sound like a big, idea, a big deal, but here's the difference. Is Simon means a piece of grass just blowing in the wind. So whatever his emotions were that day, that's how Peter was. Y'all probably know some people like that, right? If you don't, it may be you that other people know that you're like that, right? And just blown by the, you know, whatever emotions they have that day, that's how they are. Jesus named him Peter, which means rock. So what Jesus was doing was Jesus was changing him from this to this. Simon was this, but Jesus made him this. He made him that rock. He made him this, that, that, that standard. And, and so, so what Jesus gave us when he gave us Peter is he gave us a leader of the early church. I mean, he was the one. I mean, you see in Acts chapter 1 when, when uh, all the disciples and followers of Jesus, uh, 120 of them are gathered together and you know, and, and, and they're doubtful. They don't know what to do. Simon Peter's the one that steps up and says, okay, everybody, all right, we, we, got, we got to step up here. We got to do what's necessary. I know Jesus is dead. I know he's raised up from the dead and he's gone back to heaven. He's not here right now, but we got to do what we got to do. He's the guy that stood up and called everyone's attention to that. And then in Acts chapter 2, when the power of the Holy Spirit fell and baptized the believers, then Simon Peter was the one who stepped up again and he preached the very first sermon of the church and 3,000 souls were saved. So whereas Simon was this guy, after he had spent three years with Jesus in ministry, this is what Jesus had done in his life. Or what about Andrew? Do y'all know who Andrew is? Who is Andrew? Somebody tell me who Andrew is. Who? J Peter's brother, right? Okay, and that's, that's what everybody says. That's why I ask. I knew that's the answer that I would get, right? Peter's brother. But who was who Peter? Do we say Andrew's brother? People always describe Andrew as Peter's brother, but nobody describes Peter as Andrew's brother. Why? Because Andrew was less important. He was the first disciple, if you look at the accounts of coming to Jesus, he was the first disciple that Jesus called and that followed him. He was the first, but he was less important. But after he had spent time with Jesus, he was less important, but Jesus sent him into Hungary, into Romania, Bulgaria, Greece, Ukraine, and Russia, you know, and I said in the early service, I said, we could kind of use Andrew in Ukraine and Russia right now, couldn't we, and have some preaching there. You know, but listen, if you look, at those, look at those pictures right there and think, and think about the words there and, the, and what Peter did and what Andrew did. You and I, we know Peter. We know all these examples of Peter. We know all these stories of Peter and a lot of the ones that we tell about Peter when he messed up, when he was that royal screw-up, right? But... Andrew was the one, Simon Peter stayed pretty much around Jerusalem after Jesus left, but Andrew was the one that went into all these places. You and I today, we know more about Peter, but back during their lives, when they were actually alive on the earth, Andrew probably touched more lives than Simon Peter did. See, Jesus took a nobody. Come on, somebody, listen. Jesus took a nobody and made him a somebody. 
And there was James, another one of the disciples of Jesus. He was a skeptic. That's about all we know about him when he first starts following Jesus around. He was a skeptic before that. But after three years with Jesus, he becomes the leader of the Jerusalem church. You and I would probably call him lead pastor of the Jerusalem church because of the time that he had spent with Jesus. Or like, the, or like Saul. Y'all have heard of Saul in the, in the uh, New Testament? You may know him as Paul, but, but, but first his name was Saul. And, and because of religion, religious, religion gave us Saul, a persecutor of Christians. That, and he was, he was being raised to be part of the, of the Pharisees. He was being raised to hold the line. This is what we believe. And, and back to all that Old Testament stuff, but they had added a whole lot more stuff to it, and they were making everybody toe the line. This is what we believe. And this is what, to the point that he began persecuting Christians. And that's who Saul was. That's what religion gives us. We get persecution. We get people with dogmatic attitudes. But Jesus gave us Paul, the apostle, who the Holy Spirit used to go all over the Roman Empire and start churches everywhere. And who the Holy Spirit used to speak to him, to pin down the word, half of what we have in the New Testament today. He said, that's what was, but Jesus. This is what could be, but Jesus. That's what was in my life, but Jesus. That's what was in this world, but Jesus. And, and, and you know, we could even say that even those who rejected Jesus have seen their lives powerfully impacted by just the few moments that they have with him. Think about Pilate. We've talked about Pilate in, in this sermon series. You know, in Pilate, uh, you know, he's the one that the night before Jesus is crucified, he has, the, he has the, the authority to turn Jesus loose. And his wife comes to him and says, look, I, I've suffered many things th- uh, during a dream because of a dream that I had about this man. You need to let him go and have nothing to do with him. And uh, this would be a good example for, you know, why we men should listen more to our wives. Right, ladies? Right? You know? But he didn't do that. You know what he did? You know, he rolled up his sleeves. He got, he got a water basin. He went out. And, in, and inside of all these people, he washed his hands. You may have heard about Pilate washing his hands, that kind of thing. He washed his hands and said, his blood is not on my hands. It's on your hands. You're going to kill him. Why did he have to do that? He was the authority. All he had to do is just say it. But it's like he had something to prove. It's like he had guilt inside of him. He knew. He knew what he was doing was wrong, and he had to wash his hands. He said, the impact of being in Jesus' presence, even if you reject him. You know, I, I've, often, I've often thought about, you know, Pilate's wife had a rough time sleeping the night before Jesus died. But I've often wondered how Pilate might have slept the nights after Jesus died when he realized how he rejected so every one of us are impacted. We've talked about, boy, I need to hurry right here. We've talked about Nicodemus. Uh, he had a bunch of questions when he came to Jesus. We talked about the thief on the cross. I mean, his life was a shambles. It was a, was a disaster. We've talked about Barabbas. And really cool thing about Barabbas here is Barabbas was supposed to die, but Jesus died in his place and he was sent home. Barabbas was the very first person Jesus died for. That was a pretty, pretty cool idea, thought to me. The woman caught in sin. We, we talked about these already in the sermon series, uh, and if you miss some, I, I hate that. I hope you'll go back and listen to some. But the reason I'm bringing them back up right now is because, and kind of pausing and letting you think about this, perhaps some of this sounds familiar. The woman in, caught in sin, the woman with a past, 
We all have those, right? Or the man with no future. We've talked about all these in this, in this sermon series. And I got a dot, dot, dot right there because there are so many more stories out there. Your story, your story, your story, my story. All these times where we struggle, we have problems. But Jesus. But Jesus has our answers, like for Nicodemus. Jesus has our promises. Jesus has our miracles. Jesus has our mercy. Jesus has our grace that we need. He has our forgiveness. He has our future, and he has our hope. And then dot, dot, dot right there. So whatever it is you need, he's got that. So whatever it is you're going through up there, Jesus has all your answers. He has your future. He has your hope. Jeremiah 29, 11, one of our key scriptures around here, when he says, I know the plans I have for you. You see, Jesus has a plan for you right now. No matter what you're going through, no matter what your struggles are, he has a plan. And he says, I know what the plan I have for you is. And it's not evil. It's not bad. A lot of people think, you know, God's mad at me. He said, no, no, no. I, I've got a plan for you. I know what it is, and it's not bad. It's to give you a future and a hope. So if Jesus can do all of that, no matter what, no matter what you're going through, but Jesus, if he can do all that, then we ought to all be ready to change, right? Because we like change, right? We all like change. Everybody like change, right? No, no, no. We all don't. Many don't like change at all. How many of you do not really care for change? Amen? Amen? Oh, I've got a few hands. Y'all don't want to admit it, do you? We don't like change, really. Most of us don't like change in any way because we either don't like change at all or those who do like change like controlled, limited change. Let me explain what I mean, right? We want change, but we want to control the change. We don't want just any kind of change. Wait a minute, I, 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 want, I want this. We want to put it in this little slot of our life. You know, I guarantee you, those of you who say, I like change no matter what happens, I guarantee you, I could make some changes in your life and you wouldn't like it, right? We, we like to control the change in our life. I got a friend growing up, back when we were teenagers, and uh, he went to a new barber, and it was the guy that was my barber, okay, back when I had hair. Um, and... Um, he went uh, to have his haircut. I know this story because the barber told me this the next time I went to see him. He said, your buddy Mark came in, and he said he sat down in the chair, and he said, he said, uh, uh, he said now leave the sides alone. And he said, in the back, I really like the length it is right now, and when I get home, I'm going to cut the top and the front. And uh, my barber friend said, he walked around in front of me, he said, well, what do you want me to do? <laughs> right? You know, and what I would have said, I think if I'd have been the barber, I would have walked around and said, okay, good. That'll be 15 bucks, right? Because, I mean, I've done everything you want me to do. So let you sit in a chair, I guess, is all. Isn't that how we do? We want to control the change. We want change. We know we've got to have change. I know I've got to have a haircut, but I really want to control every bit about it. But isn't that our lives? Right? right uh, next slide there. We want others to change. Amen? Don't we want others to change? I, see, I really don't need to change. You do. Amen? I mean, as a matter of fact, I've said many times that if you guys would just listen to me, this world will be perfect in about five minutes because I know what needs to change and it's something in you, right? It's not me. We want others to change. We don't want to have to change anything. We want others to change. We want, we want geopolitical change. I mean, all the problems in the world, we want those to change. But not without, and we use the excuse of, well, what little can I do, right? Or, or we want physical changes. Like, okay, help me with this one. People with curly hair won't, and people with straight hair won't, right? And people with no hair, 
<laughs> what do they want? <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> you know, t- let me know. Tell me, what do you got? You know, I, maybe let me know. It, it, that's the way we want. We want change, but we want change to happen without effort. We want to lose weight, right? But who wants to diet? Anybody? Anybody? I mean, and we want to be in better physical shape, but other than a few of you weirdos, none of us want to exercise, right, to actually get in, in physical, good physical shape. It's like, it's like my golf game, you know, and um, uh, I, used, let me just, I used to play in the 80s, okay, for those who play golf, you know, that's pretty decent for a nobody, you know. Uh, I played in the 80s. That was because I was playing a whole lot because somebody else was paying for my golf, and uh, I was getting pro V1s, okay, that only means something to just a few of you, I know, some really good golf balls for free, I was playing with, so I was playing with good stuff, I was playing on good courses, somebody else was paying for my golf, I was playing a lot, and so I just got good because of the repetition and everything, but you know what, I hated to practice, I did not want to, I don't want to go to the driving range, I want to go play golf, that's, that's, you know, that's kind of my life. You know, I remember last time somebody asked me to play on a softball team. I got really excited. Man, I love softball. I still have memories of some of those double plays and things. That I, I like running the bases and those kinds of things, too, you know. So, and, and, you know, I said, yeah, man, I'm all in. Then they told me they practice two nights a week. You know, I don't want to practice. I want to play ball, right? And that's the way we are. We don't want to get better. And you know what, you know what happened after, uh, you know, my gravy train on golf, after it went away? You know, I, I, now, I wasn't professional in the 80s. No, there's no way I was professional. But I just had the, the job I was doing. I had, I had some free golf and that kind of stuff. And when that gravy train went away, and I, I didn't, know, I didn't know, know it when it was happening, but then I saw a video. I think Bradley shot a video of me. We were doing something for the church. And, and I, I saw... And I saw something that, that got into my swing, and it was like, it was like my swing was, had, had been so, you know, just so easy and everything, and I had gotten almost like I was controlling every little bit of my swing. We don't like change. We want to control it. If I'd have just kept, or if I'd have gone to the, to the, to the uh, driving range, if I'd have been willing to practice, I might have held on to that good golf game. I, you know, I'd... I'd be well over 100 now, hadn't played in so long, I'm sure. But even then, I was playing just a little bit, and I was up in the 90s. That it hurt to be gone that far up because we want change, but we want to control the change. We want change, but we don't want to do what is necessary for the change. Right? I mean, that's what Jesus offers us is he offers us change. He's all, so why, why wouldn't we? Okay, so here's, here's the question. What will we allow Jesus to change? What would we allow Jesus to change? Our bank account, how many of you would allow Jesus to put $1,000 in your bank account right now? Okay, yeah, y'all, y'all ready to come forward for that prayer? If we have a prayer line right now, yeah, every one of us, we're ready. Do it, God. How many of you, you know, would let you, if he would just say, I'm going to knock 20 pounds off of you right now, right this moment. Uh, we'd be in for that, right? Most of us, you know, you know most of us, just, just get rid of just a couple inches right here around the middle, you know, we'd be all in for that. But maybe here's the question. Maybe this is the real question. Is not what will we allow Jesus to change? As I look back and I think about all these stories, and especially those who rejected Jesus and wouldn't follow him, if maybe the question really is, what will we not allow Jesus to change? Because that's, that's really the whole thing in a nutshell, isn't it? You know, we, we, we don't want to... So, We'll let him change this or that or whatever. But what will we not allow him to change? We'll, we'll, we'll let him change bank accounts and waistlines. 
but will we let him change the way we behave toward other people? The way we act? Will we allow Jesus to change our direction in life? Will we allow him to change our purpose in life? Will we allow him to change our eternity? You see, because that's the ultimate one, isn't it? All those other things, they don't, they don't really matter. Listen, listen, it doesn't really matter if you've got curly hair or straight hair or no hair. It's not going to change a whole lot about your life. So we're really interested in changing those things. But God's interested in changing the things that matter. Our attitudes, our thoughts, our plans. Because those are the things that really matter. So what will we allow Jesus to change? Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.